everyone. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Hey, you know what? We are like live, live this morning. Not pre-recorded live stream live. We are live, live. So we welcome our online sort of participants. We're glad to have you here. My name is Rob and... I am Doug. And we're here to get the service started for you this morning. If this is your first time here, either in person or online, we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. So um, check out the people that are wearing these cool little lanyards here. They're here to help you out. And if you're online, hello at cedarvalley.ca. And you can chat online. We'd love to get to know you just a bit better. Hello. Absolutely. The best ways otherwise to stay informed about the things that are going on in our community is by following us on Facebook or Instagram or signing up for our weekly newsletter at cedarvalley.ca. Indeed. One of the great things about being a part of a gathering, a church, is our opportunity to give mm -hmm. of our time, of our talents, but also of the money that God has blessed us with. So we're going to give you opportunity to do that. If you're here in person, um, we have offering boxes at the back of each door there, you, you can give that way. And um, we just love your support, that we can support the ministry, not just here at Cedar Valley, at the church, but our community, and really through our partners around the world, right? Absolutely. Speaking of partners around the world, there are things going on even here. So uh, this evening, actually, we are gathering for prayer around our transition season and praying for the leaders of that team each other, even coming and asking questions and staying informed. So 7 o'clock tonight here at the church, a prayer time for those who are able to come. Uh, and if you love, and I do love, I, I love organizational days. You like keeping things clean I and neat. I do. Yep. People would say, okay, that's a bit, you're, wow, that's really obsessive. Well, we, we could use some of your passion and okay. skill here. So if you are like me, even if you aren't like me, but you think, oh, it's better to be organized than not, we are having a day next Saturday, October 2nd, 9 a.m. to noon, where we're inviting those who uh, might bring a truck, certainly their muscle, their organizational abilities to come and help us sort some things out to make our spaces a little more efficient and more usable than they currently are. Yeah, it's going to be a good morning for sure. Yeah. Wednesday night here this week, we are finally ready to go with our Cedar Valley kids, 6.30 to 8 o'clock. Our registration is going to be online probably Tuesday, just giving you enough time to sign up. Or, parents, just send me an email at Douglas at Cedar Valley, and um, we'll get you set. We'll know you're coming. We'll be all prepared. Ages 3 through to grade 6, right here Wednesday night, um, Cedar Valley kids. It's going to be great. We're going to get the service started very shortly, beginning with a time of worship, singing, some music, which is recorded this morning. There'll be lyrics on the screen, and we're going to invite you here on campus to join however you might feel comfortable, but we'd like to encourage you to stand, but at home, however you feel comfortable. And just after that, we will dismiss, be dismissing kids, age 3 to grade 6, downstairs for Bible Adventures. And if you haven't already got your little name tag on, you can do that as soon as you're dismissed. We're going to meet over on the right-hand side of the foyer there, just in that room, gather up, head downstairs for an awesome Bible lesson this morning for all the kids. And after you gather the kids, or I think it might even be Jocelyn, 
Uh, after we dismiss the kids, Pastor Grant is bringing us a message in our mini-series on mental health. We've been spending the month talking about our collective mental health amidst a global pandemic with countless divisive issues in our daily lives. How can the gospel and a gospel way of living be a guide in this time? And, you know, let's continue this morning just pausing in time of prayer. Would you lead us in prayer oh, this morning? I'd love to. Yeah, let's do that. Please, join me online and right here. So, Father, we welcome you here. We understand that you have come before us, that you are before us in all of our days. May we have a mindfulness that you are a God who is for us in our corner and through your spirit leading us to do good things. And when we don't, that same spirit is at the center of our forgiveness. Thank you for uh, a church in this season like we're in as a church that has been wondering where you're leading and how we might get there, and that we put a team together to ask those questions like we have this transition team. Thank you for their hard work over the last eight months of asking those very questions. Thank you for uh, those of us who've supported that in prayer and in questions and encouragements and I pray that as we come tonight, we would just continue to seek you and have a heart for what you would want us to do individually and collectively as a church. We are uh, blessed to be in this season and to journey with you all the time. Thank you, Father, for uh, the offering and generosity of this church family and that we are able to get together in this space to gather and worship every Sunday as we have for so many years. Thank you for uh, their generosity that supports the work of reaching into our city, and as Pastor Doug said earlier, even across the world with our field partners. May we continue to be energized by that spirit of generosity and look in our own lives and as a church to give and give as you have given to us. And now, Father, finally, I pray that you'd meet us where we're at this morning, whether we're at home watching online or right here in the sanctuary, that if we need to be encouraged today, that we would receive that encouragement. If we need to be challenged today, that we would receive that challenge and act on it, or both. Whatever the case may be, Father, may we be attuned and sensitive to what you would say to us today through the music, through the preaching, through the text of the Word of God itself, however you might reach us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Uh, why don't you stand with us this morning as our worship team leads us online on screen here. And if you're at home, you can stand and sing with us as well. Absolutely.
of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you
Hey there Cedar Valley kids, it is great to be with you again today. And if you look closely down at the table here, I've got a bunch of different stuff. Uh, what do we got here to start off? We've got some toothpaste, some wax paper, which is good to wrap stuff up, usually food. Oh, what's this little thing here? Uh, lips, lipstick. Uh, how's that there? And um, some hand soap, a book of matches. Now, you probably don't use this very much, but you just strike them on the side. Whew. How cool is that? <laughs> a diaper and uh, corn. This is a little cob of corn from our garden. It's kind of a leftover little guy, but uh, it's still good, corn. Now, here's my question to you. All different, but do you know, do you think you know what all of these have in common? There's an ingredient in every one of these items that is the same. So while they're different, they're all the same in one way. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of time to guess. Now, if you're online, type away, let us know. If you're here this morning in church, think about it, put your hand up, call it out. What do you think that all of these different items, what do you think the ingredient that is the same? I'll give you a minute or two to think about it, to type it in, raise your hand, let me know if you're here with us this morning. Wow, any guesses? Okay, well, give up. I know, it's a, it's a tricky one. But all of these items have corn. <laughs> That's right. Every single one of these, a part of making it up that makes it work the way it does is because there's a form of corn in there. Wow. Hopefully you learned something new this week. Well, you know what? God, he's so creative. When he was creating things in his mind, he was thinking things up, he created corn. Mmm, delicious. Uh, it's probably my favorite vegetable to eat especially straight off the cob with melting butter and salt and pepper. Love it. God was so creative that he made something really cool to grow in our gardens that we could eat. And then, because you and I and all of us, we're created in God's image because he's creative, we're creative. So now, with our creative minds, we've been able to take this really cool thing that God made and use a little bit of it to produce these different items. How cool is that? Genesis chapter 1, right from the Bible. Verse 26, then God said, no, who was he talking to? We weren't around quite then yet. He was talking to Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit. He says, let's make human beings, that's us, people, in our image to be like ourselves. So, God created people in his own image. Male and female, he created them. And one of the ways that we are like God, we have the image of God, is our creativity. 
that shows us that we were made in the image of God. Now, you can be creative in so many different ways about things that you make or that you do or the ways that you think. And one of the really cool things we can do is we can be creative about ideas on, on helping others or doing things that show them how wonderful God is. Like maybe through art or through music or, or building things or, or helping people. Wow, that's so cool. So, remember, God is creative. We're made in the image of God. So we're creative to help people see how incredible God is. All right, thanks for listening so well. Oh, right, if you happen to guess what these had in the same, I'm gonna give you a box of Smarties. So let me know online and uh, you can share these with your friends. Smarties because, well, you're so smart. And if you're here, I'll give you one as well if you're here in the church. Also, don't forget, Wednesday night, 6.30, here at the church downstairs, Cedar Valley Kids starts. Send me a note on email. Registration is going to be up this week. Sign up. We'll see you then. Uh, any of you like me, you learned something new this week uh, about that. It's pretty awesome. And I did promise to give anybody who's really smart some smarties. And I saw two people put up their hand. So, Tom, one of them was you there. And Carol, the other one was you there. So, all right. So, and you can share them with uh, the rose beside you there if you like. Just so. Anyways, in just a moment, we are going to uh, head off Cedar Valley Kids, age three to grade six. We're going to meet in the side room off the foyer, just to the right, my right there, and then we're going to head downstairs. And parents, right after the service, if you could head over to that room there and check them back out, that would be great. If they don't already have a sticker on, come on back and sign them in. But just before we do that, we want to spend a bit of time in prayer. There's so many things happening in our world and here at the church and we can want to continue to seek God and his glory. And so we have uh, Brady had an, an operation recently, and Larry is still, well, he was just moved from the hospital. If you don't know, a um, number of weeks ago, Larry had um, one of his legs just below the knee amputated, and he is now at the uh, Bevan Lodge just south of the uh, Abbey High School there. That is going to be his residence, it looks like, for, um, for quite some time. So you can go visit. There aren't many restrictions there. You just have to sign in, and you can go spend some time with Larry. And there's others in our congregation who need the presence of God through our prayers and also maybe need our presence as well as we can spend time with him encouraging them and being encouraged uh, by them as well. Let's pray. God, we thank you again for this time to gather together that we can be made aware, even through the simple things of life, just how amazing you are. God, your creativity, the wonder of you, never ceases really to amaze us. Thank you for who you are and how we too can be images of you by through what we do. God, thank you so much. Thank you for this gathering. God, thank you for the church here, right here, um, in this side of the building and across the courtyard. 
our sister church that is gathering as well. God, many little small kind of pockets of the church at home here as well, gathering and, and listening and worshiping and praying together. Thank you for the church. God, and so we pray for, for Brady and for, for Larry, God, that your hand of healing would continue to work within their lives. And God, to our, our neighbors and family members and, and friends, co-workers, God, we, we ask for a special touch of your grace in their lives. And as you give us opportunity, that we would be able to be a presence representing you in their lives as well, of encouragement, of help when they need it. God, thank you for this time this morning as we have gathered together, eagerly anticipate your word being brought forth. Thank you for Pastor Grant. God, be with him and his words as he speaks to us. God, may the love and the wonder of who you are flow through him to us this morning. God, also, for all the Cedar Valley kids that will be heading downstairs, God, be with Jocelyn as, as she teaches and, and leads them also, God, closer to you and how amazing you are. Thank you for this time. Continue with us, we pray in your precious son, Jesus' name. Amen. So, Cedar Valley kids, age three to grade six, let's meet off the back of the foyer there, and we're going to head downstairs for Bible Adventures. been a while since I have been on this side of the camera and the tech and the stage and, and everything. It's been a really fun year and actually this is kind of an interesting morning because now we're actually live for the first time, actually live streaming what's happening in person. That's kind of what we've been working on for uh, moving towards for the last 18 months. And there's so many really cool moving pieces uh, involved in just a really wild year. Uh, new skills are being trained for people, new uh, volunteer positions, lots of time, lots of passion, lots of effort. But I'm excited to share with you this morning because we are in a series on mental health. This uh, September, this fall, we really just discerned and deemed that, you know what, this has been a wild year. It has been uh, so full of so many things, right? I mean, every social divisive issue you can imagine has resurfaced has been spoken louder. Uh, we are in our fourth wave of who knows how many more to come, I don't know, of the ongoing pandemic. We're still facing new different things coming on, but at least we can gather together. It's really exciting. Um, Everything seems loud right now. Opinions are loud. The news is loud. Newspapers are loud. Uh, my friends are loud. My parents are loud, right? It's just everything is loud. So no wonder more than ever we need to focus on our mental health because we're meant to be healthy and in relationship and focusing on gospel stuff, uh, body, mind, and spirit. And mind is the part of that we want to deal with. And we want to take a look at how the gospel uh, can be a guide for mental health in that time. So we are going to go into the Old Testament this morning into the Ten Commandments. Um, Ten Commandments. Kind of a old Charleston Heston movie. Uh, you may have seen. I never even saw that. Who here has seen that movie, actually? I saw the cartoon version of it. Few people have seen it. Yeah, um, I think VeggieTales did a version of it, too, so you got some vegetables. Ten Commandments. Uh, for those of you out there who might not even know what I am referring to here, Ten Commandments, 
Uh, you might have heard a few things. What, what are the common ones? Like, what's the first thing that comes to your mind for a ten, one of the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not steal, murder. It's an easy-ish one to keep. Um, yeah, a lot of them, so the ten. But what it really was was thousands of years ago, uh, God empowered a man named Moses to guide the Israelite people out of Egypt, out of slavery, and then while they were wandering through the desert, God desired to go cl- grow closer in relationship with his people. He wanted to uh, just impact their lives. He wanted them to be more connected to him. And so through all of that, there was a lot of back and forth. There was, uh, it kind of came out of him giving some guidance for life, how they need to treat each other, how they need to just live, and what God's expectations were for them. And a big summary of all that comes in the form of the Ten Commandments. It's in the book of Exodus in the Bible, second book. Uh, and chapter 20 is where we kind of get that. So we're going to start right from the top. We got Ten Commandments. And God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. There's that story. Number one, you shall not have, you shall have no other gods before me. Different translations change the order of the words. Fair enough order. He's saying, I did all of this for you. You've seen me at power. You've seen me massively involved in your life. So put me first. Make me important in your life. Don't worship these other gods, these other nations that have their own gods and things that they talk about, these invisible spiritual beings. Don't do that. So there's kind of the first one. And then uh, verse 4, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Okay, this is actually commandment number one. That's kind of how most people see it, all these kind of together. Uh, John Mark Comer, a pastor and author, writes in his book, God Has a Name, uh, this very interesting statement. Most people collapse the first two commandments uh, into one and lump together idols and gods. And that makes sense because there is a strong link between idols and gods, especially in the way we think about and talk about them, the way we treat them, and the way they affect us. Uh, And this is especially true if you have a monotheistic, like you kind of believe there's only one God, one true God, so everything else is just kind of fake. It's fairy tales, it's fiction. Or if you have an atheistic view, there's nothing. So it doesn't matter. Idols, gods, it doesn't matter at all. But if we were actually were to take a look at the old translation of it, we should have 11 commandments. Really, it just doesn't seem as easy, right? 10 commandments, like we've known that, we've grown up with that. But if you were to split these two, you'd have 11 commandments. Um, And they are distinct. They are different. Gods, like this isn't just repetition for the sake of repetition in the Bible. He was trying to keep it on a stone tablet, so there's not much room for repetition to be pointless. No gods being... uh, other nations had invisible spiritual beings that they worshipped that had powers that affected the world. Idols. Now, here's the thing. So you got one there. No gods before me. And idols. Key part here is you shall not make for yourself an image. And what is key about this is make. It's something that we actually manifest. We kind of come up with. It's something that we say, I'm going to give this thing value. And idols seem like this old ancient idea, right? Make a golden calf or a golden dog or something like that, and you start worshiping and praying to it. But that's actually not the point. Uh, It's actually something that we just decide is now valuable, that we now say this thing is going to be a representation, whether you just call it um, just luck or whatever it is, you actually decide it's going to be this chair is now the focal point of your life. Um, And what I actually, and they're present in our lives too. For a while, we talked about, I remember when I was growing up, I would hear lots of like youth talks and really videos with graphics and stuff that like brand names were idols of our day. That was what I grew up with. It was like making Nike an idol in my life. And frankly, I actually was kind of susceptible to that. When I was in high school, especially the first few years, I became a bit of a brand snob. 
Uh, when I got my first guitar, it was an Epiphone, which is the brand Gibson. And I was like, yeah, that's the only brand that knows how to make guitars. Uh, the other competitors, Fender, sucks. Don't even talk about them. I became kind of snobby about that. I got my first mountain bike, and it was a Kona. And I was like, yeah, this is the best brand ever. And that was a mistake. I've grown up since then. Um, <laughs> Cars too, I became huge about like whatever, I, I would like build an allegiance to it and often that's what ends up happening. You like get involved in this movement and you start making it like your brand, your identity and it becomes like a point of allegiance and even more interestingly, most of the times when we have stuff that our world kind of idolizes, it becomes a polarizing thing. So you know, there's always, again, with guitars, there's like Fender and Gibson with uh, whatever it is, Coke, Pepsi, right? Who's Coke here? Who's Pepsi? Coke, yeah, Diet Coke, I know that, Rob. <laughs> yeah, so there's always divisive things, but why this affects us, so what does this have to do with mental health, is because of this key part here I want to talk about is bow down and worship them. That's what we want to focus in on this morning, is worship is a huge part of our mental health because worship is a really common human experience. Um, simply described, worship is giving something value, just treating something like it's very valuable, like it's worthy of awe, it's worthy of praise, it's worthy of talking about, like it's the most important thing in your life. And uh, simply put, what we worship demands our attention, it drives our emotions, and it consumes our minds. We fill our minds with the stuff that we worship. And what I want to suggest to you is it's not even stuff like a brand name or a car as much in our lives anymore. Uh, we worship ideas in our head. We worship opinions or movements or theories that we come up with now because, again, going back to that previous point, stuff that we kind of manifest and make leaves it fairly wide and open, and we start worshiping that. Uh, old school sci-fi author Kurt Vonnegut wrote in a book, what separates humans from all other animals in the world here on this planet is that humans figured out how to have opinions about stuff. We got so passionate about these opinions and ideas that we created world currencies based on how we thought about little pieces of paper. Um, money, right? Or we even started drawing invisible lines between the trees and started fighting wars over it, and there became bloodshed because of our ideas about stuff. So that's what he was suggesting, but we actually can make powerful movements that affect us physically, personally, mentally, just based on our thoughts and ideas. Um, so now you might be saying, well, okay, well, I'm just a very opinionated person. I have my thought about what's good and bad about everything, but that doesn't make it an idol in my life. That's good. We're going to talk about that this morning. So... I have three things that I think is important to look at for when something becomes just an opinion or an idea about something and actually becomes an idol in your life. And we're going to look at this each point uh, in the same kind of light of how the Bible describes people worshiping God as well. So the first one is quantity. Um, how common, how often does something come up in your life? How prolific, prolific if it, is it? Like if you were to make a pie graph of what you think about, what you talk about, what you focus on, how important are the different sections and stuff in your life? When I was in the outdoor leadership hiking program, they had this pie chart. I can't actually remember most. There's a, a division. There's about five different sections as if you were a guide taking care of people out in the mountains that you had to like focus on. And one of the slices I remember, though, very much was uh, the me slice. And the goal of being a professional guide is make that as small as possible because you have other people and factors and wildlife and dangers to focus on. So if you make that me slice smaller, smaller, you have more room to focus on other people. But we'd always make jokes around all the time. Somebody was cold and whiny and their boots got wet and their Gore-Tex jacket failed or whatever happened. They dropped their backpack in the water. We'd just say, oh, your me slice is getting pretty big there, isn't it? Because that's all they could focus on. Um, the old adage used to be you could tell what is important to somebody 
by taking a look at their credit card statement, their bank statement, because that's what they're spending their money on, that's what they're spending their time in. Is it just lots of drinks, recreation? Is it going out to movies all the time? Are they saving money for something? Are they investing somewhere? Uh, are they supporting causes? That's a good way to kind of see it. But I actually think we have a different measure now these days of what is important, what's common in our lives. And that's uh, social media feeds. And mostly because we have these massive companies out there that are, I mean, you've probably heard the things, but they're literally listening to us. They're listening to me right now. We're streaming. They know all the words I'm saying. They actually translate it all into different languages, which is kind of a really cool feature. Lots of good stuff. But because of that, every single phone and device and the Alexa in your home, stuff like that, they're literally listening to what you're talking about, what you're asking about. And you can see that information. I won't go into it here, but it's kind of neat. You can see what they've compiled of you, and they give you a, what they call like a commerce profile of how they're going to market to you because they know what's important to you. And it's a pretty sobering reality when you take a look at that because they're like, you search this up all the time. You spend way more time looking at these pictures than these pictures. Google knows that. Uh, you say these things into your phone. You type these kind of stuff. Your apps are focused on this. So you actually have this whole thing, this whole feed that now gives you exactly what you think is important. And even more so, I think that this is where there's actually a big shift, especially over the last, specifically last year, I found this stat just the other day, that it's moved from stuff, from buying stuff, to actually ideas and movements. And now Facebook will actually target way more ads that talk about a political idea or a philosophical movement that's tied with a product. They find conservative people like this stuff way more, and they actually group you together, and progressive people might really want this, and liberal and whatever, red state, blue state, and they actually start linking that as more opinions than it is stuff. They're not trying to sell Coke so much anymore. They're trying to continue saying, you find this the most important thing ever, your opinion about something. So how prolific is it? What does your Facebook feed literally look like? What does your Instagram page literally look like? What is common? Because I'm on Facebook. I have a lot of you on Facebook. I know what is now important for people. And how often is it God, the commandment saying, put me first. Why are you putting me as the most important constant thing in my life? Jesus, is he... Is your relationship with Jesus the more common thing of worship in your life, or is it actually all these other stuff you're talking about and thinking about and fighting about? Second point is priority. How quickly does it come up, your response? Is it number one? So quantity, actually what I meant to mention is uh, the book of Psalms in the Bible, huge book and actually the most referenced book throughout the Bible by additional authors and people. It's a book of praise, and so the language of praise is prolific throughout the Bible. Number two is priority. Every single epistle that the Apostle Paul wrote, that's most of the books in the New Testament, starts off with praise and worship of God, saying, God is so amazing, I can't believe he put me in this place to talk to you now, church. It's literally how he starts off all the time. First thing he goes to, um, how quick does praise of God come up in your life versus something else? Uh, Good old joke, maybe not as common anymore, but how do you know if somebody does CrossFit, if they're really passionate about it? They'll tell you, first thing. That's like, they're like, hi, my name is, actually, wait a sec, I do CrossFit, and my name's Greg, right? So then they go into it. Uh, this is pretty common. You get passionate about something, and then that's how you want people to identify you. Uh, this is like my core piece. This is my dietary guide of life. This is like how I do things. I drive a Nissan. I play a Gibson guitar. It becomes your first and only priority. And it becomes a priority too, especially when you have difficult kind of divisive driving things, when you're stressed out, when you're like focused or frustrated on something. I had an argument with a friend one time where uh, it was uh, several years ago, talking about something environmentally related that affected people around in developing nations. Can't remember the specifics of it. We won't go into that. But there's an interesting line that came out and stuck with me. Uh, 
where essentially this friend was very black and white, and I saw this issue was difficult because it felt pretty gray when you start reading of some of the Bible stuff about it. I was like, man, this is, you know, here's the important thing, but then there's the people, and there's this whole thing. And I said, you know what? Well, let's take a look at the Bible, and, you know, it says this, which makes it all of a sudden really tough. And then I got interrupted and said, Grant, 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 Kate, I get you're a pastor, so you're always on, but I need to go with my gut on this one. And that, like, triggered the red flag for me. I thought, whoa, Kate, I, I could see myself doing that all the time, too. Just on this one, maybe I seemed a little bit more holy, and I got the Bible quote. But so many times, I'm like, God, I get that you've got an idea here, but I'm going to go with me on this one. I, I feel strongly this way, so, you know, that's fine. It's not my priority. I'm not taking God as the main focus and priority in my life. So we've got quantity, priority, and reaction. How do you react when ideas, thoughts, opinions, movements, whatever is the stuff in your head are taken away from you. How do you react when I knew someone who boycotted this entire restaurant chain because they changed the way they made his favorite sandwich? And it's been like decades and like will not go, no, 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 they used to do the, the, the club this way and they put the thing underneath now and, and the mayonnaise is different. And they'll never go there again. Have you ever boycotted something for that? Right? We're all a little petty sometimes. That's fair. But then I wonder, you know, are we boycotting stuff because it gets in the way of us and our relationship with Jesus, or do we make exceptions? Because I know in my life I make quite a few exceptions. I think we're actually pretty good at making exceptions for stuff when it involves God because that can kind of be kept in our back pocket and silent a little bit more. Um, but if it's like our favorite sandwich, right, that's, that's real, and you're holding it, and you're eating it. How do we react to stuff? How do we react when our sports team loses? We have made an embarrassment of ourselves before here uh, locally. We've rioted about stuff. That happens regular because you become so invested in what your sports team is doing. When politics don't go your way, how do you react to that stuff? How do you react when an idea that you think is the most important thing in the world isn't going the way you want it and is, you just explode about that? Now compare that to how you react about God in your life, about Jesus, about sin, about the travesties that happen, about the things blasphemed against God? How do you react? So now we're seeing that we've actually made idols based on some of these measures of some other ideas and put that in front of God, and we aren't actually giving God that same kind of place. So now there's that commandment that we're actually breaking. We need to have God in that place first and foremost. And you know, this isn't meant to just be crushing and guilting because it is super easy to let our minds fill up with this stuff, especially when we are in, uh, when we're stressed or tired or overwhelmed, when we're lost, lonely, or desperate, looking for something awesome to look on, to look to, to worship. That's what worship is, is something that's awful, not awful, but like awe-worthy. Uh, here is a really fun story. My father-in-law has this quirk. I hope he's watching this. <laughs> um, it's a quirk that I thought was, when I first met him, I was like, oh boy, okay, yeah, there's a dad thing. But... Um, Really cool because, so here's the thing, he's, he figures that the word awesome is way overused. People just call everything awesome. I mean, that jump you did was awesome, and those shoes are awesome, and, and this streaming and the big screen back there is awesome, as if it's worthy of awe, worthy of worship. And he's like, no, 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 the only thing worthy of awe and worship is God, actually. So only God is awesome. He'd say that all the time. He'd say awesome. He's like, no, no, only God's awesome. And I was uh, too ignorant, and I kept doing it, and he eventually gave up on me as a lost cause. But it's super true. Only God is awesome, and we're desperately looking for something awe-worthy, and that is actually the biggest market of the world. Every single company is trying to create something 
distracting and stimulating, exciting and awe-worthy enough to fill our minds with. And they gave up with Legos and toys after we're like 12, 13 years old, and they start giving us ideas and movements to get behind. Um, you can actually see really cool things. We're like car brands, uh, and I, I'm a sucker for this too. Car brands went away from just their product to like, if you're a Jeep owner, you are like, you are a Jeep owner. They create a culture, and a Dodge Ram has a culture about it. And they're trying to give you part of an idea. Subaru had a cool tagline that I, I frankly love. I love to have a Subaru, but Subaru owners already know. Like you already know that it's the best thing ever. You don't even have to. We don't have to tell you because it's already know. Talk to a Subaru owner. Um, but they're trying to fill us with ideas, and so then we cling on to those things because they're easier. They're easier than a difficult, real, two-way relationship with Jesus Christ in our life. It's easier to cling on to something that's literally being spoon-fed to us, and then they fill up into our minds and become idols. So, question for you guys to think on is, over this past year that has been stressful and wild and weird, and you've lost stuff, and you've looked for things to cling on to, what have you turned to that's taken that space up in your mind at times? What's become an idolized idea in your mind this past year? Think about that. Because it, it, what I want to talk about this morning is not just to leave it there. This isn't just a guilting call-out session. We can actually do stuff about that, and it takes some work. It takes some effort. But I've got three R's, some R-based alliteration here. You can't just change your mind and stop thinking about something because there is spiritual realities at work here. There is the devil who is loving the fact that we're filling our minds with anything but God, and he is working as hard as he can to keep that going. So it actually is going to take effortful work, a fight against that, to focus our minds back on God, to remove these other things. So the first one is remove. Not remove the stuff out of your life. Actually, remove yourself from the fuel for those idols in your life. If you have conversations with people that are just driving you up and getting you stoked and mask this and the government that and the vaccines this, remove yourself out of that moment because it's fueling this idea that is becoming your identity, becoming your peace, becoming the thing you worship in your life. Move yourself out of it. And the reason why that is important is because that stuff is never going to go away. Sinful, focused, like big, distracting idols are never going to go away. They're always around. Actually, uproot yourself. Take yourself out of it. Temporarily, though, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But you actually have to get yourself out of it. And a nice thing with, especially when we get a stay-at-home order, it's not actually that physical. It's something like turning off the TV or turning off the social media feed, putting your Facebook page on a suspension for a little bit, and start scheduling this stuff. I get that cold turkey is pretty difficult, so start scheduling things like, you know what, 7 o'clock news, going to watch the news from 7 to 8 and nowhere else. If somebody sends me a text, I'm like, you got to see that. No, nope, I'll wait until 7 or I missed it, like, that's fine, I'll check it the next day. Social media, same kind of deal. My big addiction that I kind of struggled with was this, it, I thought it was the dumbest thing ever, but Instagram came out with a feature called Reels, and it's just like scrolling through pretty much this constant show and tell of people doing amazing things, following different trends, and man, I get glued to that. And I started thinking, like, photography filled up my feed so much, and right away I was like, I'm the worst photographer ever because look at all this amazing stuff, and all of a sudden I lose two hours of just going through Instagram Reels. Um, and I had to start literally scheduling myself that kind of time. I, and what is amazing is even the big companies know these dangers. This isn't just actually, it's rooted in biblical ideas. These Ten Commandments aren't just arbitrary rules. God actually wants what's good for us. It's rooted in our DNA of knowing the truth as well. And so even Apple and Google and Android, all the different things, actually have built into all of your phones, all of your devices, screen timers and app timers that you can turn on and you can set. And it'll pop up and say, hey, you've spent this much time here 
uh, and maybe don't do that. Or you can even say, like, lock this app after an hour per week, whatever it is. You can actually put these kind of things. So that's one way to remove yourself from that fuel is schedule stuff, put timers on things, limit your interaction with certain things. If it's people as well, and they're really important people, we don't want to actually just completely remove ourselves and hermit ourselves. Uh, schedule it, too. Say, like, hey, you know what? Or in a controlled environment. Like, let's go out somewhere public. Let's have a coffee, like, once a week maybe, right? I can't do this daily. I can't just keep getting fed by this stuff. Schedule it. But then the next part, and this is where we start doing some of the rebuild, is refuel. Fill your mind with something better. You can't just leave it void and empty. You have to fill it with something better. Uh, humans by nature have addictive tendencies, and it's really difficult to leave an addiction without replacing it with something else. And that's why often, I mean, if you're... Uh, if you're a smoker, you get nicotine patches, so you can kind of get that next thing, that next, whether it's chemical, whether it's mental, wh whatever it is. Um, we're good at different fixations and just replacing it with something that's a little bit better, that's a little bit healthier, that's a little bit less damaging to ourselves or people around us. Um, and that happens with ideas, too. You can't just stop thinking about something and now it's fine, you have this empty void. It'll get filled really quickly, and if you don't fill it with something better, uh, Colossians 3.2. Set your mind on things above, heavenly things, on God. Literally crack open the Bible, start reading it. Go through the Psalms, some actual examples of praise and worship of God, how he is, how you struggle with him when he doesn't follow through with the things that you really want and you get those emotions out. But fill your mind with heavenly things, things from above. Refuel. And last, repurpose. We, I don't want this to be a sense of it can be really easy and there's different movements throughout history that have done this over and over again to just kind of shun everything bad and remove yourself from everything bad and then eventually just the old Mennonite style and get into the barn and don't go into the outside world because it's evil. Uh, you actually have to engage in the world around you. You have to engage in the work you're doing. It might be that you've been part of a work crew that's actually fueled some of the negative ideas. You might have been part of a club or whatever. You're on... It, you're on uh, whatever the different work is. I didn't write down enough examples here on the notes. Uh, but you can't just remove yourself from everything and hide and hermit yourself. Uh, you need to enter back into that with a different focus. And it's not likely, like we rarely go into stuff with the intention of finding idols to consume our minds. They sneak in, in place. So actually what it is, is going to go back into our relationships, back into the family members' relationships that were maybe driving us into these kind of idol-focused ideas, going back into the workplace, going back into different groups or clubs and stuff like that. With Jesus as the center and as a purpose, with the gospel as a center and purpose, because we also need to be a light in the world. And that's what it's actually going to take. You have to replace Jesus. You have to replace the idols with Jesus. And then we actually start fulfilling that commandment from the, from the start. So it takes motivation. It also takes invitation. And this is where there's something really exciting about what Jesus offers us, is he is actually making the first move over and over and over again uh, throughout the Gospels. Read them. Every single interaction Jesus has with the disciples, he reaches out first. He makes the first call. When Peter loses faith, stumbles, and starts sinking in the water, Jesus reaches out his hand. Um, there's a tax collector who just wants to get to know Jesus, and he's not able to, and he's kind of shunned by the culture, and Jesus says, like, hey, Zacchaeus, come on, man. Like, come on down. He reaches out and makes the first move. So we have that first move invitation. We just have to respond to it. Um, I mean, the whole idea of Jesus coming and being our Savior came out of God making the first move into our lives because we couldn't do it on our own without that first move. Uh, it's the same way he called Moses to go first. Um, God really offers us a Savior, and we can actually act on that. 
So it sounds simple in Sunday school that Jesus is the answer, but it actually is when the commandment says, only worship me, only focus on me, make your priority, make the quantity of what's going on in your mind and your life focused on me and on my guidance for you, on my kingdom. So the answer actually does become Jesus. I want to give a very real solution or example here too, which is exciting. Uh, there are also programs that do this because it takes ongoing work and it's not going to happen just like that. You can't decide to change your mind. It actually takes regular routine. Starting up in a couple weeks here, we are hosting here at the church a program called Freedom Session and it's focused exactly on this, how to remove pains from your life, things that have clung on through past trauma, through past incidents, things that you've just created as massive barriers and walls in your life you can't move past and they've become literally idols in our life and how to let Jesus come in and redeem that and change you. Um, it happens at a number of different churches all throughout the valley. We're doing one here. It's a small kind of program, but if that doesn't work for you too, I really encourage you, if you've got stuff that like, I cannot move past this. I've tried, Grant. I get it. You're saying all this stuff, and it makes sense. I'm sitting there nodding, but I cannot move past it. It takes some help. It takes support, and that's exactly what this program, Freedom Session, does for you. And uh, we have a little video here that we're just going to play in a moment, and then we'll wrap up with some prayer and some dialogue, just kind of bringing this into our our week and our daily life and going out from here too. Pastor Rob and I will chat about it. But uh, just take a listen to a couple of these stories about why people jumped into Freedom Sessions, uh, how it kind of changed them. I think there's a little tiny piece in there of what the program kind of even really looks like just as an invitation. But there's a very real tangible way to kind of act on this, to pursue better mental health, to bring the gospel into your life, to kind of replace these things that are just driving us down. I came to Freedom Session because I had realized that there were deep childhood wounds that were affecting my current choices in my day-to-day -day life and that had played out in the marriage breakdown that I was going through. To say that I had walls was an understatement. I had built the biggest walls. I wasn't going to let anybody in. Um, and I was very upset at God. Um, I felt like he'd let me down. I had tried desperately to make my marriage work, and when it uh, failed, uh, I, I was angry at God. And so I did things that were unforgivable to me. Um, different ways um, that kind of society told me how to deal with it, um, and, and I couldn't anymore. So I, I turned to church, and the first church service I ever went to, uh, my church, Village Church, introduced um, Freedom Session. So I just totally felt called to sign up, um, and, and that's how I arrived at Freedom Session. Yeah, I came to Freedom Session. I'd heard a lot about it. A lot of my friends um, have been going uh, over the years. I originally came to Freedom Session when I was uh, 19 and I was um, a pretty new Christian. I had just accepted Jesus into my heart about a year before and um, in my high school years I struggled quite a bit with like drugs and alcohol and um, purity and things like that and so now all of a sudden I was a Christian and I kind of knew the rules and so I knew that I wasn't supposed to be drinking and doing drugs anymore and so trying to do life. Um, uh, sober, a lot of stuff in my heart uh, came up from my childhood and things like that. Um, we had uh, tried for years to have a second child and in the midst of that process um, I'd had a miscarriage and it was devastating to say the least. Um, that alone threw me into a pretty dark uh, time of depression. 
the issues I was dealing with were um, most dominantly was, was sex um, and, and girls. Last year, uh, things in my life just started to fall apart, just come undone. Uh, I thought I was losing my mind. And then one week in church, an announcement was made that Freedom Session was coming. I was at my lowest point. I was on a number of prescription medications for depression and anxiety, um, mood stabilizers, you name it, I was on it. Through that time, you know, I really struggled to connect with my husband and there was so much angst and pain that it just caused us to really um, fight and just brought us to a really, really low point in our relationship. It kept getting worse. I, I remember coming home from work and it was always the conflict was there. Um, it took me eight years to create what I thought was the perfect life. Um, and it all came crashing down when I found out that my husband had been unfaithful in our marriage. I always saw myself as a mistake. I always saw myself as a nuisance and uh, in the way that my opinion, my thoughts never mattered. Well, welcome to Freedom Session. Hi, my name is Ken, and uh, I am really looking forward to spending the next few months with you and sharing some of the insights and the exercises that will transform your lives and relationships. Our Freedom Sessions, Amanda, you want to wave, wave your hand over there, Amanda? She is the person to talk to about what we're doing here. Like I said, though, it's also a big thing. If it doesn't work for the one evening a week that we're choosing, uh, the program is the, similar between church to church to church. It's just an amazing way to go. I know there's a few people here in the church who have done it as well, and they'd have cool testimony of how it's impacted their lives too. So, yeah. yeah. So if that's, uh, if that's something that you're interested in, please explore that. I couldn't help but think, thanks for that teaching this morning, detailed and helpful for me, uh, that when I take my eyes off of Jesus, off of my relationship with him, that is more or less when I find myself in trouble. Is that true for you maybe as well? Like as simple as Jesus is the answer is, it still is the answer, as you said at the very end. Yeah. And what's very cool about that is when I do take it, off my attention, my eyes, my focus, my, my value, my worship. It's not like God says, oh, you dum-dum. He doesn't do that. We do not worship a condemning God. We worship a God who says, oh, I see. You've chosen that again. Let's talk about that. It's the Holy Spirit in us saying, oh, yeah, you could choose better and we're, we're, we're in good terms because I've already forgiven you of these things. And then when we choose, and you know this, when we have our eyes focused on him and our values there and we are worshiping him instead of all the other things we place in, like we'll name a couple shortly here, our lives just tend to go better, don't they? Don't they, right? So the question I think we want to handle firstly is, yeah. why do idols have come up into your mind this past year? Yeah. Things that we've made idols by the amount of time we think about it, the priority give with them, the quantity, yeah. all that stuff, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I know specifically for me, just as an example, and it might be relatable, like the church has been, uh, in amidst this pandemic, has been, you know, there's been every 
opinion and idea and decision made ever on every piece of the board, and then the news loves saying this and that, and it became for me a huge point of like, uh, like one church would do this, and then the news would talk all about it, and then another church would do this, and the news would talk about it, and it became so frustrating to me, and I started getting a, like really prideful and really like, well, my church is this, and that church sucks, and they don't know how to, and I just talked about that. It was like the only conversation I was having every single time, and it became like I'd talk to somebody else and like, oh, hey, how's it going? Oh, you know, church is really tough right now because this church just did. And it, it was crazy. Like, so that became the most common thing that was happening in my mind and it polluted it. And we've talked about this before. So what can happen with your mental health is it goes peaks and troughs. It's like, oh, as, it, as your mind shifts around what yeah. you're thinking and what you're talking about, it does that. When we talked about this previously, the idol that popped into my mind right away was my discretionary time through a year and a half of having time to myself, when I wanted, how I wanted, that was a big deal. So now being asked to meet with people, go out, do these things, can you be involved in that? How do you want to participate in this? There's a fundraiser here, can you do that? Can you? It's like, oh, no, no, I don't want to. It was, I've made an idol out of that, that, that time that I had a little bit, I yeah. think. Yeah. Do you think that's true? Do you think it's fair? Totally. I remember when we were starting to talk about going back to Sunday mornings in service or in-person services on campus here, I thought I've had Sundays off for a few months for the first time in my life of like the last decade. Yeah. And it was really nice. It was, <laughs> right. it was really nice sleeping in. Yeah, yeah. It's been 27 years for me, so I get it and more yeah. for others. But So question two then, if those are the idols that you and I might represent as maybe some of us struggling with them beyond what you've already said in your teaching. Yeah, what's the first step you could take? Like immediately, if you can identify based on those three things, quantity, priority, reaction, how you're doing that stuff, what can you do immediately to just start? Like not, you're not going to get to 100% completion, but like what can you right away do? Well, I love the three R's, by the way. The remove, refuel, repurpose. So as I think on those, for me, it is to repurpose my time, right? And repurpose that discretionary time that, I mean, we can say it's, we, we all intuitively know it's not healthy to isolate, but boy, it feels good, right? To, mm -hmm. I'm going to binge watch this, or I'm going to read that book, or I'm just going to close it and shut down and shut off. It's, it's so easy to go there, particularly in a cultural moment where our PHO is saying, you should stay home, right? So that's, that's been tough. Yeah. So I think for me to repurpose it, it is, you just got to get out, fella, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and, and be active in other people's sort of lives and caring for them. I love the me wedge because yeah. I, I think I could stay there. And, and that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, and we have a therapeutic culture that says, well, you got to take care of yourself first before you can take care of anybody else. And you're like, oh, I'm so taking care of myself. <laughs> right? Yeah, but totally. But you can't stay there because it's not healthy. It just isn't healthy. So you're, almost, you're like scheduling against your kind of selfish time. Yeah, exactly. How about you? Call it that. Yeah, well, I know for that one specifically, it started becoming overwhelming. I, I had this conviction of like, man, that's all I'm talking about. I don't know if I heard the words from somebody else or it's just God talking through somebody else to me. It's like, all you talk about is just your angst against church stuff going on mm -hmm. constantly and church reactions. And now I had to literally just start, like, that became a trigger for me that I'd, I just shut up. Like, I just stopped talking a lot of the times. So that was a huge <laughs> thing. I had this opinion. I wanted to say a thing and just, just shut up. Well, good for you to hear it. Yeah. Right? And, and it made a huge impact because as I stopped verbalizing things, I still had it in my head, but as I stopped speaking out of my mouth, it left my mind after a while. Oh, that sounds like the Holy Spirit's self-control of you and helping yeah. you through that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's awesome, buddy. Thanks for sharing this morning. Uh
Correct? Let's, yeah, let's, let's pray. Why don't you do that? Absolutely. Thanks. Join me in some prayer. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for gathering online and in person um, on campus here. God, um, I just pray that this message speaks to us truthfully, God, not in a convicting way, but in a way that we can just have more of you in our minds, in our lives, that our worship can be directed at you and not other things. God, thank you for what seems like plainly obvious commandments that are still so applicable to every single thing we do today. Um, God, I pray for anyone here who's just thinking of what they can actually do. You give them clarity for the first step they can take to just start removing the negative burden of different weights, different things that their mind is just focused on. If they need that extra step to God, a program like Freedom Sessions, give them the ability, to, if it's room in the schedule or if it's extra push or an invitation, God, to enter into a program like that, to just focus our minds, remove, renew our minds on you. Um, God, and for any of us here, give us the power to speak that truth into somebody's life close to us. If we need that extra thing, use us to be your your words, like has happened to me, God. Uh, I've experienced you speaking through people so often. Um, if there's somebody here, God, who doesn't know you, I just pray that you give them the strength and desire to want to know you better. Come speak to any of the pastors here, myself, Pastor Doug, Pastor Rob. Um, we would love to get more people to know who you are. But God, I just pray that you keep this message in our minds, that you bless us this week as we go out of here, that we can just be the church in the Fraser Valley here, God, in mission, wherever we're joining in from. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week.